Throughout the season of Lent, we have been following Jesus on his journey to Jerusalem through the lens of the Gospel of Luke. And so it is appropriate on this Easter Sunday, this Resurrection Sunday, that we turn to the event of Jesus' resurrection from the dead, according to Luke's Gospel. Friends, let us continue listening now for a word from God, hearing these verses from the 24th chapter of Luke. On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the women took the spices they had prepared and they went to the tomb. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb, but when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. Now, while they were wondering about this, suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. In their fright, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground, but the men said to them, Why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He has risen. Remember how Jesus told you while he was still with you in Galilee? The Son of Man must be delivered over to the hands of sinners, be crucified, and on the third day be raised again. And then they remembered. They remembered his words. Now when they came back from the tomb, the women, they told all of these things to the eleven and to all the others. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James, and the others with them who told this to the apostles. But they did not believe the women, because their words seemed to them like nonsense. Peter, however, Peter got up and ran to the tomb. Bending over, he saw the strips of linen lying by themselves, and he went away. Wondering to himself. Other translations render this. He went away amazed at what had happened. Friends, these two are the words of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Today's sermon is titled The Unbroken Circle. Let us pray. Good and gracious God, on a day as glorious as this one, in a place as glorious as this one, God, we acknowledge that we come broken nonetheless. We come, O God, as people who thirst at the riverbed for waters of mercy, waters of love that might mend us back together in your sight. And so, God, we pray for your spirit to dwell with us, that it might take the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts and that it might bridge them for fresh words, for fresh water, living water, for the living of these days. We pray these things, O God, because we know that they are possible in you. For you and you alone are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. So here's the thing that stands out to me the most in this story of the very first Easter according to Luke. The thing that stands out to me the most is the economy of words. Read the story again. You'll see in it that all the main characters, those women, the eleven, Peter, 
They all do all sorts of things on this Easter Sunday. It says they wonder and they remember and they tell and they amaze. But at no point is there an account of them speaking a single word. The two men with clothes that that dazzle like lightning, they speak, but there are no words recorded of any of the others that day. I wondered if maybe I noticed that because, in a sense, it was a relief. (laughs) A relief given the fact that we live, all of us, in a world that is awash in words. We turn on the TV and there are people, plenty of them, ready to talk to us and talk at us. We open our phones and there are more. And we're living in this time when people make headlines when they don't talk. So-and-so hasn't tweeted in two days. We live in a world, too, where people come to places like this one, and there are plenty of people like me who are more than happy to stand up in front of you and talk. And yet here, Here in the record of this moment, this moment that according to the Christian tradition is the moment, the moment upon which all else hinges, the moment that that the vastness of the cosmos were set in a completely new direction. At this moment, not a single word spoken, at least according to Luke, seemed worth recording. There's no account of any alleluias, any he is risen, any I have seen the Lord. Nothing. Nada. You know, Aaron and me, before seminary, before children, in fact, when we were living in Washington, D.C., we had this Sunday morning routine. When you start working in a church, it sort of ruins this whole routine. But at the time, I loved it. We'd wake up and we would make breakfast, biscuits or pancakes, sausage, and we'd turn on our favorite Sunday morning program, CBS Sunday Morning. Anyone here watch that? Yeah. I love CBS Sunday Morning, but what I really love about it, what I always wanted to watch every Sunday morning was that last segment. You all know which one I'm talking about? The Moment for Nature. Two minutes with nary a word spoken. Some videographer gets the assignment to go off into some far-flung corner of the country or the world and just video. Video a fox on a frozen tundra. Video a sunrise on a beach in a place like ours. No words, just the sounds of, of God's creation. And yet it captivated me. We would sometimes be late to church by a few minutes because I just wanted to hang on to see the last seconds of it. I love that moment for nature. And the thing about it that I I finally started noticing was that when I watched it, it raised my own awareness. It sort of made me more attuned to the world around me. When we got to church, suddenly I was more likely to notice the, the buds on the tree in springtime, or the way the grass moved in the breeze. It made me more grateful in many ways for the wordless beauty and life that exists all around us, all the time in this world. Too much talking, 
Too many words, they can distract us from all those things. I couldn't help but notice that the very next story in Luke's Easter story, y'all know the one, it's the Emmaus Road. Two disciples, they're on the path to Emmaus, they're walking, but they're also doing something else. Do you know what they're doing? They're talking. That's what it says. They're talking on the road to Emmaus. And when this stranger suddenly appears in their midst, do they recognize him for who he is? No. It's only later in that story, in the silence of breaking the bread and drinking from the cup, that Luke says their eyes are opened and they recognized who was in their midst. Maybe that's why the economy of words is here in this story. Perhaps it's meant to focus our attention, to heighten our awareness, to make us more attuned, to to open our eyes so that when we encounter those empty tombs in life, we too will remember. I love that word, the women remember. We too may remember who it is that rolled back the stone. Because here's the thing. The thing is that I think nearly every one of my encounters with resurrection in life, every one of my little Easter's just out there living life normally, I think nearly every single one of them came to me without a single word spoken. I remember when we were living in Atlanta, Aaron, my wife, was coming back from somewhere and And I was going to pick her up from Hartsfield. And something happened in Atlanta that day that never happens. I budgeted a certain amount of time to get to the airport, and I got there in half the time. And so I found myself sitting in the arrivals terminal, which is at North or South Delta, I forget. Anyway, you all know the one where the baggage claim is. And I just found a seat, and for 30 solid minutes, I just sat there and watched. Now, airports, unfortunately, uh, have become places where the worst of humanity can be on display sometimes. But airports are also these amazing places where you can witness just sheer human beauty. I sat there in those 30 minutes. I, I watched this elderly couple come up off the escalator, and there was a younger couple that I guess later must have been the adult child of the elderly couple, and they were holding what appeared to be a newborn infant in their arms. And this couple, they beamed with pride. I imagine maybe they were meeting their grandchild for the very first time. I saw little children who who were there to greet parents, their moms and dads coming back from work trips or travel, maybe for a long time, maybe not, but when they see them, they just beam with joy. There's a little resurrection in that. I remember, too, there was this one family. They might have been immigrants or refugees. They were arriving in this place, it seemed to me, for the very first time, and and no one was there to greet them, and they were sort of wandering, just lost-looking, and After a little while, another group of people moved over to them, and I guess maybe this was the group that had been dispatched to to greet these newcomers. And when they merged, there was that awkwardness that's always there with language barriers and just new people meeting new people. But I could tell in the slight smile of the parents in that family, 
could tell that maybe for the first time in a long time, there was hope or something like it. Resurrection with no words whatsoever. We had some particularly rambunctious toddlers in the early service. I'm the parent of toddlers, so I get to talk about this. And I thought to myself, man, toddlers, if you're parenting them, they can just drain you of life. (laughs) It wasn't even 9 a.m., right? (laughs) But there are those moments at the end of the day when story time is done and the lights are off and the full weight of that child rests on your chest as you rock them. There's some resurrection in that without a single word. I was thinking, too, of some folks in my life and in my ministry who I have visited with and who have just cried buckets. They've cried buckets because they have been to hell in a very real way. But then there have also been those moments with those same people where a few days or weeks or months or even years later, I'll see that person walk into a room that I'm in. I'll see them from across the room and we'll make eye contact without saying a single thing. And I can see in their face that for the first time, life has returned without a single word spoken. I was thinking about this last week, too. I was watching with you all the reports of that devastating fire at the Notre Dame Cathedral. I was driving to church later that afternoon for a meeting, and I was listening to the reporting on the radio on NPR as I drove, and there was a reporter who was speaking from Paris, and I don't know what she said. I really didn't care that much what she was saying because I was trying to hear what was happening in the background. It was almost as if every church bell in Paris was ringing at the same time in solidarity with with their sister church. And I was practically yelling at the radio. I wanted her to just stop talking, just shut up for a second. I want to hear those bells. Because those bells, in my mind, were proclaiming the very same good news that Mary Magdalene and Joanna and Mary, the mother of James, and all the others, the very same good news they were proclaiming all those years ago. Those bells, every time they tolled, they were tolling to tell us that the story is not over. That Jesus is not done. That God, this very day, is still rolling back stones. That God is still transforming the world, even as we sit here, right now. You know, no Easter sermon, no book on apologetics, no scholarly article has ever adequately explained that to me in words. And yet I know it. I know it to the depth of my being to be true. And when you know something like that to be true, then you have to live it. I have this friend who pastors a church in Charlotte, and he wrote about this passage from Luke saying, almost as remarkable, almost as remarkable as the fact that the tomb is empty on Easter morning is this. 
It is that the responsibility that God places in the hands of those who discover it so. Let me say that again. Almost as remarkable as the fact that the tomb is empty is the responsibility that God places in the hands of us, of those who discover it so. Friends, how are we doing preaching the gospel? How are we doing preaching and living with or without words? The good news that God is still pushing back stones. Perhaps said differently, how are we joining God in that work? How are we joining God in the work of pushing back the stones of this life? Stones that we all know, stones that are heavy with with fear and prejudice and, and hatred but also stones that are heavy with apathy and silence in the face of others' suffering and of our own suffering. How are we doing with living what we know to be true? A few months ago, I got a call on a Saturday morning from a church member who had lost her husband earlier that week. She was calling to ask if I might be available to join her and some of their family at the family plot at a cemetery out in Camden County. I said, of course, and so later that afternoon I found myself on 17, out under 95, hang a right in Waverly, Turn left several miles down the road into this old cemetery, not particularly big, a little overgrown during the winter months, but you could tell it's a place that is deeply loved. Beautiful oaks hanging over the plots. It was cool and gray and overcast when I pulled in. No paths to get you back there paved or otherwise. You just follow white sand tire tracks until you find some of the cars. What was amazing about that service was we hardly spoke a word. The man who had passed away, he was 97 years old. He was a musical prodigy of sorts. He was one of these people who his whole life he could just pick up almost any instrument and immediately know how to play it. And so the best way the family could think of to honor the faith and life of a person like that was to sing. So we prayed. We read scripture. I tried to piece together a few words, but they felt woefully inadequate. They felt inadequate in the midst of the songs we sang that afternoon. We sang Merle Haggard and Gillian Welch. We sang Amazing Grace. And at the end, we, we formed a circle and joined hands, and we, we sang Willie Nelson's rendition of Will the Circle Be Unbroken. You all know that song? Will the circle be unbroken by and by, Lord, by and by. There's a, anyone? Better home awaiting, Lord, and the sky, Lord, in the sky. What was amazing about that moment 
speaking of a home in the sky, which is so true, thanks be to God. But in that moment, it felt a lot more like heaven had come down to earth. It felt a lot like we were rolling back a stone right there under those oaks on that brisk, cold February afternoon. It felt like resurrection without a single word being spoken. And like those women, like those 11 long ago, I wondered and I amazed and then I remembered. I remembered and I left that place. I left that place wanting to go and tell others of all that I had seen, to preach the gospel of the unbroken circle with or without a single word being spoken. Thanks be to God for that gospel and for that love that spans the heights of the heavens, but also right here, right now, this day, and forevermore. Amen.